Today on a special episode, we will be interviewing the hosts of BBC Radio's Comedians vs. the News, Jess Solomon and Iman El Husseini. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. Versus Comedians vs. the News. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, what we usually do is I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. But today is a special episode. Today we'll be interviewing the hosts of BBC Radio's Comedians vs. the News, Jess Solomon and Iman El Husseini. will be holding a presidential election in May. The candidates include the son of former President Ferdinand Marcos and the daughter of current President Rodrigo Duterte. Both ideal candidates for those who want change, but not really. This week, the seven-part voting process begins in India's most populous state, Uttar Pradesh, where over 80 MPs will be elected. This sounds like a lot, but in a region of more than 200 million, it works out to roughly one MP per three million people to disappoint. Jess Solomon, welcome back to the show. We had you here talking about Mike Ward in that case. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. And Iman El Husseini, who is my really good friend for a long time, we go back about 15 years, finally having you on the podcast. I could talk about you, but I would rather you tell people about yourself. But I do want you to keep in mind, it's usually just an hour, the podcast. So <laughs> we, and we do have other things to get to. Are you breaking up with me as a friendship? You said was a really good friend. Is our friendship over? Oh, my God. Why would I say that? I meant has been, has been and has continued to be. And in fact, I saw you on this on a Zoom screen just like this just a few weeks ago when you were a guest speaker in my uh, diversity in stand-up comedy class. And you were great. Yes, there were like 5,000 students. Yeah, it was really great. It, they, and they just <laughs> did their final performances on Monday. I'm, I'm like a proud father. I'm really like a proud father. Some of them did such great work. They all did great. But some of them like, I was like, I don't want this class to make you feel so gross inside. Like they're just sick with nerves about their performance. And then they did so well. It was really good. Okay. It was really good. And a lot of that has to do with your words of wisdom. I'm sure Iman. <laughs> Thank you so much. But I, can you introduce our listeners to who Iman El Husseini is and what she's all about? Well, sure. So I'm Iman El Husseini. I'm from Montreal, Canada. I live in Ooh. New York city. I'm Ooh. a stand-up comedian. <laughs> And I co-host BBC's World Service Comedians versus the News. I'll be going on tour soon, mainly mainly a stand-up comedian slash co-host of a radio show. Not an actor, as we established uh, many many years ago. Uh, no, no, I still I still have a lot of work to do. <laughs> you will, you will. You know, they say in comedy, the best comedians are the ones who bomb always at the beginning, and then they rise, they figure themselves out eventually Bye. that's you in acting yes hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> i don't know if there's honestly i've gotten a few auditions and it seems like an impossible thing for me to conquer yeah okay 
It's got to be a role where somebody specifically wants you and you can come in in person. We've never done auditions that That's weren't self-tapes. All of my auditions were basically written with me in mind, practically. It's like, cool, lesbian aunt. Hello, you know, feisty Palestinian activist. I mean... Listen, you just became an aunt like a week ago, so I don't know why you think you... I know, but I was an aunt to like Jess's nephews as well. Oh, that's true. Of course, of course, yeah. I mean, are tweets being an activist? I don't know. (laughs) Are tweets being an activist? Well, it's it's tweets and (laughs) signing uh, petitions. (laughs) <laughs> but listen, Iman, that is literally the least you could do. So, I mean, yeah, at least you're doing the least. You're really you're really killing the minimum. That's right. I kill it at minimum. It's the maximum that we never see. That's the thing. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. So, but listen, I actually met Iman about 15 years ago when Ali and Iman were starting off in right. comedy because they were coming here doing you guys were just doing open mic nights here in in Ottawa. You guys would drive down from Montreal. And I remember one time you stayed at our place, my my wife's place before we had kids, I believe, but we weren't here. We were like out of town and it's not a big deal, obviously, to to have you know people stay over when we're out of town. But you were so appreciative, Iman. You left us like flowers and like I think a, a big goods. It was so nice. But let me also say, Iman, you looked even better because it was me, you, and another white male comedian. He did absolutely nothing. He also benefited from Asif's empty home and generosity (laughs) and hospitality and did absolutely nothing. What he did do is later when he found out you had got flowers and some baked goods for them, he was like, oh, should I have done something too? Should I have bought something? Like, buddy, it's not in your heart. You're just not that person. What are you going to do? Okay, so you guys, you were mentioning, Iman, that you are going on tour soon and you guys tour solo. But then you also do it as a couple, right? So the Al Solomons is your the, the so you guys do both. Do you guys prefer one or the other, or just you switch it up? We prefer the other. Every few months, we prefer or so? the solo. We prefer to be in charge of our own. You know, when they're the best, they're the best when they've had a fight, like moments before going on stage, and then they go on stage and they're the best. And but you can't. That's not sustainable. So BBC, remember, were you hosting it? You were hosting it, or Maj Jabrani was hosting it. You did a spot. Maj Jabrani was hosting, yeah. Right. I did a and spot, we yeah. completely fought in the back for like the five-minute set that we had to determine to do. Well, that and that was our first time properly doing a set together on stage, and it was for the BBC World Service, this live stand-up show that they were recording for the radio, and they talked us into doing a, a set together. Yeah. And then they promised us, you know, we'd do our own sets. And if the set together wasn't good, then they would just use our solo sets. And that was already the first time, which was a big sign that it's not the best. I mean, it's, it's, unfortunately, it is very good on stage, but it's like not fun off stage. Of course. No, it's not sustainable. It's not a sustainable model. It's not good. I take responsibility for that a little bit because the BBC actually reached out to me for that show. And I don't even know where they heard of me. I don't know. I cannot remember where that woman got my name. But I was like, oh, Iman and Jess, you have to call this these people. You have to call this person. And I think they had two other people that I hadn't recommended but were great. But I recommended like three different names, four different names. So I might have told them they performed together. They performed separately. And I think the BBC is like, we want to see we it We hadn't all. performed together. At but that we had it. We maybe we had our cartoon. Did we? We had, we had our cartoon and we had kind of gone up sort of loosely together in California at one point. Well, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah. I think that's where we got in trouble. So we were co-headlining a show in LA, like an old synagogue turned performance venue. And 
the host introduced me. I did my 20 minutes or 25 minutes set and I was going to introduce Jess and we had like five, 10 minute banter off before. In between. She, in between, right. And then I she, continued, uh, yeah. And I guess there was a reviewer there from Tablet and like the next day, his entire review was like, the show was pretty good, but the highlight were the five, 10 minute banter. It's, it's because it's so, you it's don't see that anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And people could relate to a married couple. Like the people who relate to us the most, it's not even gay couples. It's like inter, interfaith, interracial couples. couples you know? Yeah. Yeah. Can you guys, we just want to follow back up on something, a cartoon? What was the cartoon? Were you superheroes? What happened with that? <laughs> no, no, more like New Yorker style than Marvel comic. It's a comic strip. It's you can see it. us if just deflate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you were DC or Marvel only. I already had your powers in my mind. I was working on that. So this was a comic strip. It's it was a, a comic, comic strip, strip uh, that we have we've had on Instagram for a few years. We were posting every week. Now we we put po- we still post, but not every week. During the pandemic, we had a little less material <laughs> yeah, for yeah. it as our days were. You know, did the dog poop? She didn't poop. She'll poop next time. <laughs> what was it? Was it solid? Was what it was? Green? was it? <laughs> for two years. <laughs> Stop eating our cheese. I can. Your face is so cute. <laughs> So wait, so, uh, and who does the art for it's that? A, a friend of ours named Jesse Brown. He's married to my oldest friend in the world, a family friend that I grew up with. And he lives, they live in London and he drew us for our wedding invitations actually. And then I had the idea of doing a weekly, cause we were doing a lot of back and forth in like status updates on Facebook at the time. And people really seemed to enjoy it. So yeah, we thought Writing a sitcom is a big project and maybe having smaller goals is a better way to go. So just do putting out like one cartoon a week with him and he was keen to work with us would be like a way to like build up a bit of an audience. And it's become the like our joint Instagram for comedy stuff yeah, as well. I really love what you're saying right now in terms of how much it describes what comedy often is, you know, like. You have these major goals. I'm going to, you know, headline Carnegie Hall. I'm going to, you know, write a sitcom and develop it and star in my own sitcom. But the reality of comedy is so often this, like, you did a thing on stage together and then some reviewer was like, this was the highlight. And you're like, oh, I guess we should turn this into something, right? And then you get a crave special out of it. You know what I mean? Like, it it went so far as to give you a special. The same thing with somebody drew a wedding invitation, and the wedding invitation turns into something regular that gets a lot of attention. This is so... Like, I, you guys know my goals were to be a chef on the Food Network. Like, that was the singular focus, and I only started doing stand-up because... That goal never materialized. And in chasing that goal, which I wanted more than anything, I've made a life for myself, which is like... A, <laughs> he says from the closet. <laughs> yeah, yes, he says from his, with his wife's clothes. A wife. I have a wife with clothes and her clothes are behind me. <laughs> no, but it's so true, Ali. You've done like so many different things. I mean, between acting and... It's crazy. That's that's like, for me, that's comedy in a nutshell. You know, you just happen upon things that you're like, oh, you guys like this? Oh, you think I'm good at this? Okay, I'll do this. That's my entire radio career right there in a nutshell, too. But yeah, not to say you won't get the sitcom. Yeah, it is important to listen to what people are responding to, I think. I mean, like, you know, especially the unprompted stuff when you go, when you're out in the world and you hear from a few people like, oh, I really love those cartoons. I mean, there was, I haven't continued with them, but recently it was the videos of Iman getting high that she just discovered weed. (laughs) 
And I started posting videos of her being like having the most basic <laughs> observations that she's just cluing into at this stage of life. Like food is so good. You know, like even the water on my tongue. I can't believe how many edibles I did not take at comedy shows. I'm like, it's like my biggest regret. I'm no, your comedy has thrived because of all the edibles you didn't take. No, man, there's like, you know what there is? There's like a tiny handful of comedians who can do comedy high well. But we forget about all the guys who suck and who don't even show up to comedy sets because they're high. Focus on the majority. It's it's better that you discovered this late. You should see me trying to get her up in the morning. It's like having a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how much clean your room? <laughs> <laughs> no, we had even a weed truck on the corner of the Mr. street. I'm Bud, so, our Uncle Bud. Uncle Bud. I'm so pissed off at our building. These like anal mothers uh, signed a petition and got rid of the truck. We had it right down the street. I it's because all that. of their all of their edibles were done like candy. Hair, they looked like a bag of M and M's. Oh, you know, or, like, oh or, it like gosh. looked really real. Yeah. Oh, I can picture that upsetting mothers so much. Just. <laughs> accessibility and like you know early programming oh my god that's we not do good. have ice cream trucks and stuff like that so it's like what's the difference with this truck and their candy you know yeah well i think guys from a pediatric <laughs> yes, point yes, of view no, like, we don't care. you know a lot of lot of <laughs> don't talk bad about us what are you <laughs> Bud's kill. <laughs> and his truck yeah, oh my gosh. If I didn't say anything, I would have been, you know, yeah, kicked exactly, out of PDF. Exactly. Anyway, obviously, inadvertent overdose of kids with THC containing products, bit of an issue because I don't know. Like, Ugh. do you really need, do you as an adult really need to look exactly like an MM's package? Yeah. Like, couldn't they just be in a. I kind of like it. Clear <laughs> You're new to the game. You're new to the game. Iman, you're going to like everything. You're, 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 you are like a child. Effectively, you're no different from the eight-year-olds on the corner. Right? You're also new to this whole thing. Okay, so speaking of accomplishments, Iman, that's a very impressive accomplishment. But I also know you guys have opened for Pat Oswald just recently. You guys posted that on social media. So how is that? He seems like a real bummer. <laughs> He's the nicest guy. I still don't know how the hell he started following me on Twitter. It was like out of the blue what, five years ago or something? I'm like, I remember. 17, because I just got the memory of it, actually. But yeah, Iman started opening for him by herself. And then only recently did I get in the mix. So um, Ali and Jess always made fun of my tweets and how bad they are and how I make spelling mistakes and how I'm not really. Yeah. I mean, anything. her own friends don't follow her. So for yeah. Pat and Oswald to follow her is a big deal. It's pretty it impressive. I a big deal. So they always bullied me and my tweets. And then Patton started following me out of nowhere. And I remember looking at my, I never had like action on Twitter. And I'm just like, oh my God, I think Twitter is down. I have like 800 new followers not, or something. How down. much was it? I mean, you're just like, I think something's I, wrong with Twitter. I, I mean, yeah. I got the algorithm hacked. is broken. I got hacked. I have yeah. all of these notifications. <laughs> followers. That's how much I didn't know what Twitter was. Followers. And I was like, oh, I'm I got hacked. I have followers is such a funny comment on where your Twitter game is. And my wife was like, was like oh, yes, yeah, you did do. get hacked. I don't think that this is real. It's, no, it's not possible. I mean, I remember the tweets. I'm on your side, Jess. It didn't, yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> back in town would be one tweet. Back and then the town, next yo. one would be back in town, yo. Those were the two. <laughs> and Patton was like, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. So he. He retweeted three of my tweets. Thank you very much. Oh, and that's how I, nice got, I got all of these followers. 
Anyway, and I figured since he follows me, why not try to like send him a link of my stand up? And he actually responded. And I've been opening for him since 2017. And then now this one is a part of it. This one again is Jess in case anybody <laughs> doesn't. Is he doing okay? I always worry about, is he doing okay? You know, with his wife passing away and uh, you know, he talked about in annihilation, like that was, you know, half the comedy special. Is that- so I met him right before that special. He shot that special. Oh. So I saw, oh, wow. I opened for him in March of 2017 in Washington, DC. He was preparing for that special. Remember it was the first right. time that he was going to talk about his dead wife. I mean, so traumatic. Mm. Her book is amazing mm-hmm. by the way. What is it? I'll be out to work. I'll be gone in the night. I, is that? Yeah, I, I saw the uh, mini series, like the documentary series based on the, the book. Yeah, really good, really yeah. good. And it, it talks a lot about her and him and their daughter and everything that happened that led up to her death and then afterwards. But, you know, in the end, obviously, what happened to him was horribly sad. But the fact that she was able to find this killer and get justice for those victims, you know, that's quite it's a, a legacy, legacy to, yeah. to, to leave. Yeah. Truly, truly. And she writes so, her writing is so amazing and so is his. I mean, I don't know if you saw, he had, uh, I guess, like the intro for her book or something, some kind of tribute, so beautifully written. But he's really, he's happily married with his new wife that he works with and they seem to get along still. So that's good. Get along still. Okay, you're hopeful. That's good. So this is, you know, I, I think we've given a nice overview of of this this really varied career from comedy yourselves and then doing comedy together as a group, the cartoons, the no acting for at least one of you, and all this other stuff. And we talked about that BBC show in Montreal many years ago. That's the first connection you made with the BBC, and that's where the groundwork was laid for Comedians versus the News. Is that right? I think so. But Simon, the commissioner of the BBC World Service, was there and he loved Iman. Yeah. And he, (laughs) I agree. And he kept saying, we're going to work together someday. I don't know in what capacity, but something's going to happen. And I guess when the pandemic happened, they had a slot open and we built the show together with him and the producers. And he wanted us to talk about the news because obviously it's about the World Service is all about the news. But this was the first time that they were introducing comedy in the mix. Otherwise, it's just like... Well, they'd had these like stand-up shows that they recorded, I think, and put as part of their arts programming. Right. Where And then their arts programming on the World Service is very international. And so they would tape... Montreal was one city, but they would do this kind of all over the world with a diverse set of comics in different cities. But as far as like a regular comedy comedy show, show, panel-esque type show, they hadn't done that before. So we really had to build it from scratch. And we were thinking of calling it the L. Solomons versus the news. Versus the world. Versus the world. Yeah. But then they said comedians versus news because it's not about like we're the presenters. It's not about us necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's about we, the we, comedians that we bring in. We're hosting. We're, them. Suppo- we're really there to highlight the comedians. And Iman specifically, how was that for you doing something that wasn't about you? How was that? What kind? Of- <laughs> it's hard. It's it, hard for me to. <laughs> it took us, like it took us until this season to really understand that that's what they were wanted because I don't think the British are very direct. They're you not. Know? Everything's like it's brilliant. It's brilliant, and you're like, is it though? Like we don't. I. And then you listen to the edit, and you're like, oh, okay, I think I know what you 
one if of they my, say like, it's perfect then they mean it as a compliment no, totally. brilliant, brilliant doesn't mean anything, doesn't yeah. mean anything. Yeah. every time i work with my friend james mullinger who people should look up lovely oh, yeah. lovely man from england who's now based in the maritimes and of, of canada that's what i have to say it's like He's like, mate, your set was brilliant. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And then he tries like a cracker at the door. Somebody has some crackers. Oh, this cracker is brilliant. I'm like, I'm not even out of earshot. You know, you're reducing it to like the door height. This door frame is like brilliant. It's just the most meaningless word that the the British have ever come up with. So perfect. That's a good hot tip for people that when they say perfect is when they mean something is actually good. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And what you mentioned is that it has this global perspective, right? So you have comics from all over the world. One of the things I really like about the show is is how diverse it is. And so do you guys maybe have any favorite guests that you were exposed to from the show or any international headlines? Because I guess the, the premise is you talk about some headlines which are completely international, which everybody's heard about, like Ukraine or something like that. But then a lot of times you talk about very specific headlines which are just for the country from which the comedian is from, right? And so the average person may not have heard of those headlines. So any kind of interesting, I don't know, guests or headlines that you guys have had on the show? I love most of the guests that we've had. They've been really, really lovely. I mean, like I said, they've all had such a huge following and they're like professional seasoned comedians and the international aspect is so much fun. And just like for us, it was such a nice break the first two seasons to take a break from American news and that headache and just be like concerned with international affairs or something else. But this season we've had like, I feel like I've, we've liked all of our guests. And well, we've had return people that we've gotten to know. Yeah. Tumi Morake is one of them. That was our episode last week. She is amazing. We've had her all three seasons. Celeste and Tuli was new. The first episode actually is amazing too. Of the third season. Of the third season. I know that one of your favorite stories, because we tried to bring it up with her again, but we'd already covered it in a previous season was Njambi's story about the, oh my like, god like she comes the from tribe. a matriarchal tribe in is she kenyan or is that a, i think kenyan kenyan and anyway describing how they traditionally use men as chairs <laughs> yeah like if women walked into a room and there were men there they would like go on all four so a woman could sit on top of them this is how below i mean men- i've heard of matriarchal that's matriarchal that's going to give some people some real inspiration that's Apparently. already on like SNM type of uh, sub relationship. But, yeah. but tell them about the grandmother, her grandmother or great grandmother had, oh, that she had a lot of husbands, wives, four wives, wives, wives. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Of course. So like yeah. gay and all of that gay and like men being inferior and all the good stuff existed <laughs> once upon a time. Oh my God. You guys must've been on cloud nine that day. Just I being like that. the world can be good again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I can see him on tell that story again. I know yeah. we're I know we've had you on this exact same show telling that story, but this is good airtime. We can use this. Yeah, the producers are WhatsApping us like, can you uh, you Please already covered this <laughs> in season two? What about you, Jess? Do you have any other headlines or, or or stories that stick in mind? I mean, we always have like crazy animal stories because like we are kind of restricted (laughs) in what we can talk about. So the animal stories do tend to be hilarious something. Yeah. I mean, one of them this season, a headline was so London wants to combat flash flooding and they decided to reintroduce beavers to do that. And there's a pair of beavers named Justin Beaver and Sigourney Beaver. 
that's what they've named them and reintroduced them because apparently they used to have beavers and they did it for like 400 years they had had beavers in england they went extinct and now to deal with global warming you know they they have to reintroduce animals outsourced to animals that they've already made extinct (laughs) we were wrong (laughs) we apologize beavers forgive us we're still messing with your habitat and the world is is warming and now we we need your help with this flooding that's going on so uh, would you come back here to me, it's it's like a cartoon with a very apologetic British person. And on the other side of the table is somebody who is Dutch. And then there's a Canadian and then there's a beaver. There's These three people will help you build your dams. We know how to work together. Oh, I was like, why the Dutch? But yeah, yeah, of course. They're the, the dams, uh, the dikes, the dams. The dams. Come on. The yeah. dams. Okay, this is I, I haven't even told him on this headline, but I think maybe this could be a funny story for for this week for one of our headlines, because it's about I do get because, as you know, from my prior episode, I used to live in in The Hague in Holland and I never unsubscribe from my newsletter of uh, Dutch news that I get, like from the expat service. <laughs> And so this thing that I just saw, seven men have been jailed for between 18 months and 10 years for their role in a string of attacks on people who worked at a fruit import company in Holland. And basically the people at the fruit import company called the Groot, Fresh Group, in 2019, they found 400 kilos of cocaine hidden amongst the bananas. Oh, I saw this and they tweet. And then they gave it to the police. They handed it over to the police. And since then, it's just, this is a movie. I mean, this is very much being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I feel like there's so many movies like this where a couple is like on their first date and then they witness a murder or they happen upon some drug deal and then they have to escape the drug lords. And it's basically that, but it was just this fruit import company that found hundreds of kilos of cocaine amongst their bananas. And then I guess did the wrong thing by calling the cops. I guess they, I mean, you have to, I'm assuming at that point. <laughs> you mentioned just that there's so many things you're limited to say. Is that because BBC is a crown corporation or is that because BBC has ads and they have to be responsible to advertisers? What is it that limits your... It's impartiality. It's so important to be impartial, especially as a presenter. So although it's called comedians versus the news, we're not necessarily the comedians they're talking about. They're talking about the comedians that are our guests and we're just there facilitating the interview and making the comedians shine with their stories. So the comedians can say whatever they want because that's on them. Kind of. Like, don't swear. Don't say the F word. Don't say Because the appeal that they're trying to put out there is that it's a show for everybody around the world. So your grandfather in China would enjoy it, as well as a 14-year-old kid in Cambodia, just appealing for everybody. So then it's it has to be accurate and light. They don't want dark. They don't want dirty. They don't want opinion. So it's a fizzy lemonade. Like somebody called it a fizzy lemonade. It's a nice fizzy lemonade at the end of the week. You know, sometimes we can. There's certain like targets that we've discovered are always welcome, which is billionaires, companies, uh, global warming, the environment, and, and China, and Russia. China, China and Russia, we could break China and Russia are pretty fair. Like certain Kim Jong-un, like there's certain leaders that are, there's no 
will give, you know, equal measure to jokes on the other side of Russia or China. Or I couldn't Kim say, Jong. like, I can't even say, like, Jacinda Arden's my girl. No, well, we're, but, I love Jacinda. Yeah. Don't oh, show wow. any preference. Well, no, but that I understand. Like, I understand that if, like, there's... Why can't I like one leader more than the other? Well, because you're not, you're not supposed to be, like, endorsing politically a particular party. It's not endorsing. It's just I really well, like it is. her. It is. <laughs> She's it so is. cool. Your liking is... Endorsing, I guess. Your liking is endorsement. I don't envy the position you're in. I admire you for for doing it season after season. I was thinking, why don't we do talk about some, you know, topics that have been in the news recently, let's say in the past few months since the beginning of 2022 and some stuff that we haven't covered on our show. Uh, one of them you have covered on your show, which is your thoughts on the Freedom Convoy, which was in my hometown of Ottawa. And if you can believe it, just this year, doesn't it feel like it was like forever ago? I know, right? Yeah. So this is the craziest part. It seems like that was two years ago, pre-pandemic. It was just a couple months ago. And I live here and it's already like kind of passed me by. So I'm kind of curious for you guys, you know, your thoughts on that whole thing, especially because, you know, you live in the U.S., but of course you're Canadian. So what was your kind of perception of that? I can tell you guys a bit of how it was here. Ollie's daughter is here during university as well. So in Ottawa. So, you know, we can kind of speak to that. What are your impressions of it? I was so sad about about it happening. I think like my reaction was being like, oh, I can't believe this like Trumpism is making its way to Canada. We're not that country. We don't disturb. We don't this. But I was also kind of proud because it seemed like a little more fun than the American version. So I was like, go Canada, go. <laughs> yeah, no hot tubs in the American version, I guess, right? More <laughs> yeah. barbecuing and hot, hot tubs. Well, the American version happened when Ukraine had already happened. So I think because like Russia started bombing Ukraine just after Ottawa. And just as the Americans were gearing up to do what, you know, some version of what happened in Ottawa. And so I think that's, first of all, there's no lockdown or restrictions here. So there's nothing to really protest in that regard. And then on top of it, to be it, the way that it looked for them to be crying about their lack of freedom when Ukraine started getting bombed and that was predominant in the news, I think just nobody was paying attention to them anymore. But yeah, I mean, like Iman was saying, I what was crazy to me was all these years after Trump to like start to see reasonable people that I know in Canada are new to be reasonable on social media, having to like unfriend people on Facebook. I was like, what is this 2016? Like you're just now becoming this like mega person. Like it just, you, you have a joke about everything getting to Canada late. later. Yeah. Mm. And this was like, so falling. <laughs> Climate change, this, everything, yeah. Yeah, this was like, so in that regard, I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, I can't believe it in 2022. Like this is the moment that you decide to like go off. And it, it's just because, because, yeah, the, you know, certain right wing elements found an audience in the frustration of the lockdown. But I, I felt so badly for people in Ottawa. It seemed like such a living hell with the noise and the pollution. And but also here from, yeah, from the perspective here, it was by social media was taken over by like or not taken over. But there were like all of these comedians that have gone alt right, some because they truly believe it, some because it's like a grift and a half and they make a lot of money on their Patreon and now suddenly these people were like 
posting about Canada, which they never did. And just seeing like their gross perspective on, oh yeah, Canada, you know, and as the convoy was getting to Ottawa, the numbers of trucks that they were like claiming and like their one source was like a tweet by Jordan Peterson. I was just like, ugh, like I just was like, get, yeah, like not to be Will Smith about it, but like get get my country's name out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually something that really bothered me a lot is people who are making comments about this who didn't live in Ottawa. Like, again, I don't mean like yours and, and Iman's comments, Jess, but I just mean people who are like supporting this. I'm like, you don't understand because we're all standing up for the little guy. I'm like, what about everybody who owns a small business in downtown Ottawa, an area we call Centertown, who had to close down for weeks, three to four weeks, they were losing money. And and again, we we have a friend, Hassan, who, who knows a bunch of restaurateurs, and a lot of these restaurants were closed. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're purposely harming the people that you're saying you're going to support. And the stuff that was all mixed in, as you said, the alt-right, the neo-Nazism, and then this hatred of Trudeau, like... It's psychotic. Yeah, and and I, I'm not a huge fan of Trudeau, to be honest with you. But I mean, it's like I agree with you. It's crazy. He's not, but like people are comparing the guy to Hitler. It's like, are you? It's disgusting. I cannot. I like, know. I truly. And when you try to ask people, like, what, like, unless you're like an indigenous person who's been disappointed by this country and Trudeau's promises and his tattoos, like, unless that's you, like, I don't know what your issue is. If you're an environmentalist and you don't think he's enough for the environment, yes, I know. But otherwise, I mean, the guy does not control the price of oil around the world. And nobody does not have freedom. And also, he's not in charge of the lockdown rules. And you're province like it really makes me crazy because there's a lot of things that you could criticize for sure but the way that they talk about him and it's been like this for a while at, at he West, before he even started everybody just hates Trudeau at West and Quebec and right-wingers my greatest disappointment I said is the police in Ottawa if there was one time for police violence if there was one time that you could have been a stereotype of yourself and inflicted incredible violence on a people, this was it. And they handled them with absolute kid gloves. You know, these are people like really like taking a city hostage. Yeah, I mean, we I think we all agree that if the protesters were brown or black or indigenous, cool, they would have been beaten up and kicked out immediately. And the fact that they were so, I mean, it, it was a failure on so many levels. That's one, police for sure, underestimating the, the amount of people. But there's another factor as well. You don't let trucks of that size I, into listen, that area. Like, is that of course. You don't need to beat people up, but once they let them build their camps and put the trucks in. And then there was no way to, there were literally no way to remove them without a state of emergency because the tow truck companies weren't going to act. So you needed a state of emergency to remove them. That's all you needed to do. Let them protest, but you, it's the trucks that you can't let into. Exactly. Nobody in Ottawa cares. I mean, the protests happen in our city all the time. So nobody cares about protests, but it's just actively breaking the law, disturbing people's, ability to just live their lives and make an income. That's the issue. But you said something very interesting, Jess, which is other cities. And we, you saw how they tried to do it in Toronto and Toronto worked, basically just yeah. diverted the traffic and it didn't work. And I mean, if this was Toronto or I would say Montreal, the citizens would have been way more vocal at the beginning, but we're a bit passive and rule followers in, in Ottawa. And and we would kind we of said- We were also the first. Like I, I you know, yeah, that's other true. cities weren't, I mean, to be fair to Ottawa. Yeah. 
It's true. I like Windsor and and in Southern Alberta, but we also kind of like, well, you know, we all follow the rules and we all abide by what the police does. So why don't you? And then to just see what can happen if you just don't do that. I, I think I'm not blaming Ottawa at all, but I think it's just the Ottawa mentality that we put things off and, and, so much so that for a while, you guys may, I don't know if this made the news in the US, but I only heard about this. So by my house is a bridge called Billings Bridge. So it's about five minute walk from my house. And that was a route that the truckers were taking from their big camp station, you know, downtown. They would go down this road across Billings Bridge and then turn right and go all the way down to the prominent buildings. So a bunch of people in my neighborhood heard about this and on social media they organized and they just went and blocked all the trucks so they were doing the same thing that the truckers were doing to everybody downtown and by the end there were several hundred people there and they were able to like kind of barricade in 24 trucks that couldn't get downtown and just stayed there for the whole day that's awesome that's so cool I found that on social media and I texted my wife. I'm like, should we just go down and bring Tim Hortons to everybody? Which is a very Canadian thing to do, right? She's like, yeah, let's do it. So we went, Tim Hortons bought a bunch of stuff and brought it down to the protesters who were there. And it just felt so good to do something yeah, because yeah. we're you just sit there being so helpless in, in that environment and then to actually do something that you, that you feel, you know, did it accomplish anything? I mean, I don't know. I think, as you said, it was the state of emergency and the emergency act that is what ended up turning the tide. But I think once, especially the government, both local and provincial and federal, saw that the people in Ottawa aren't going to like just stand here and take it anymore. And of course, and when that happens, the potential for violence is much higher. I think in other cities, it would have gotten very violent with counter protesters very quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But again, we're law abiding here. So it took a mini protest by the mall, by my house to uh, to do that. There's a lot to be said for feeling useful, though. There's a lot to be said especially at the tail end of, well, tail end, who knows, but of the pandemic where we felt completely helpless, so much out of our control. When you can take some small thing and put it in your control, it's so, so good for even just your mental health. But even as a group, as a little community, I'm sure you felt like this is all we have and it's important. We can stop these trucks from coming. But you know, I don't know if I dreamt this, but I feel like I read because season two of BBC recording the podcast, I was like on really heavy drugs and painkillers because of my herniated this. But I remember reading a story about an area in Ottawa. It's a neighborhood that's named, the streets are oh, named yeah. after places in New York City. So like Times Square Street, Trump Avenue. Is that real, Asif? I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Anyway, what I remember reading, but I could have imagined it because, like I said, I was on heavy gabapentin, 1,500 milligrams a day, disaster, <laughs> plus like painkillers and stuff. I ruined my insides completely. I had to get an endoscopy anyways. Oh, my God. It was really bad. But apparently the residents of that neighborhood wanted to change the name of the street, Trump Avenue, because they didn't like Trump. But they didn't want to do it when he was still in power because they were so afraid of him retaliating. Oh, wow. That they waited or whatever he was going to do. Yeah. So they waited until he left. And I don't know if. I don't remember ever seeing that street, but I do remember seeing that story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless it was from a fake, you know, a A a parody site. Yeah. But you didn't hear about it. So it might be a fake thing. Or it could have just been induced by all the drugs, maybe. But then why would Jess also have heard about it? That is interesting. Yeah, it might be a walking eagle news piece to give a shout out to one of your past guests, Tim Fontaine. It might have been a a satirical news piece, I'm guessing. 
It could have been. No, I feel like I read it in the Washington Post, but again, I might be making this whole thing up. But some of these newspapers have comedy writers. Right. Yeah. Ali, why don't you ask the next question to these guys and I'll fact check that while we're... Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I wanted to ask about a tweet that I saw a few days ago and not specifically the tweet, but also this, you know, what it was about was Louis C.K. winning a Grammy. So a sexual predator's work celebrated once again, even though we're in 2022. And Jen Kirkman saying that I'm going to unfollow all... Male comedians, you were so quick to jump on the fact that Will Smith shouldn't have slapped Chris Rock. What about this sexual predator now being celebrated for his work? So I just wanted to get your thoughts on on that. A lot of the crowd that's like, people shouldn't be so sensitive about jokes and whatever, like grow some, you know, there's no safe spaces where so the Venn diagram of those people who also were like, oh, I can't believe this guy was, you know, comedians are under attack. Chris Rock was being slapped. Like, I mean, it's just the hypocrisy is absolutely, I mean, she's right to point that out. And it was disappointing, but not surprising to see Louis C.K. win a Grammy for an album, I understand, in which he I like, am- can I finish? Yeah. An album in which he <laughs> makes fun of the uh, assaults that he committed and is completely unapologetic about it. Yeah. Does he? I didn't know that. I didn't listen to his album. I can't listen to his stuff. Yeah, I think he makes fun of the whole situation. I don't think it, it, there's any introspection or no. responsibility. No, no. Yeah. It's another case of a yeah. white man not really knowing how to apologize. There's been no practice in that field. So they don't, you know, 10,000 hours, right? You need you need to put in the time <laughs> to develop that skill. And there's been, he's in a long line of Mario Batali's and Kevin Spacey's and so on and so on and so on. Now, we're going to wrap up really soon because the odds of us being together and, and Iman and Jess not getting in a fight in this period of time is, is <laughs> quickly decreasing. Okay, so before we let you guys go, I did find the answer to whether Iman was having a drug-induced dream or there really was a controversy. Ali, you need to uh, be the tiebreaker. Who? What do you think? Do you think that this was a real controversy or imagined? I think it really happened, but not in Ottawa because you would have heard about it. So it's because up until this Freedom Convoy, I did not follow local news very much. It did happen in Ottawa, February 2021. The area is called Central Park, which is a new-ish area in Ottawa. Not that new anymore. Hilarious. The area is even a New York-styled area. Come on, Ottawa. Be original for guts. Exactly. So this is why Iman was right. So what happened was there was a vote because it was a Trump Avenue. And so there's 42 homes on the street. Okay? So what do you think... I'll ask Iman and Jess to guess. What do you think the votes were in favor and against the name change? Yeah. How many out of 42? Out of the 42, I want to say 38. I'm going to say 42 to zero to get rid of the name. Okay. So it was 21 to 21. So the name stayed. That's so funny. Oh my God. And see, and this was in. What are we even fighting for here? What are we even fighting for? Canada, you continue to embarrass us. Ali, it was February 2021. It was a har- harbinger. Is that harbinger? the right word? Yeah. I'm looking at Jess. I'm like, uh, yeah. What was going to happen? <laughs> Sorry, Iman. That was, I, was, I, I also was ignoring Ali, too. <laughs> hey, the rest of us have vocabularies as well. But anyway, I just fucking hosted a literary debate, for God's sake. Ali reads books. No, Ali's good. Job. I'm the problem. 
Anyway, this was a harbinger of you know the problem in Ottawa with the Freedom Convoy. So if only we were paying attention to that fifty percent of people were were in favor of Trump, maybe we. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. In the Central Park neighborhood, I mean. So is the name yeah. still there? It's still there. It's still Trump. Wow. It's, st- it's still Trump. Oh my yeah. God. I mean, what oh. a weird place. Where is this in Ottawa? <laughs> It's not. It's not a bad area. It's. It's. It is quite central in Ottawa. It's a nice, nice neighborhood. One of my friends used to live there. So, yeah, I don't know. We have to go take pictures there next time. I mean, no one, no one in New York even likes Trump. They just didn't want to change their like labels they've already made and the sign they have, you know, above above their house, you know, with the the numbers. I'm on 62 Trump Street. You know, I gotta buy a new thing. I mean, that cannot be helping your home value. Uh, <laughs> There were many hotels that took down his name, like Vancouver, I think, right. because it was, right. you know, yeah, yeah, exactly, hurting their business. Jess, tell me what you have coming up in late April, May. I'm going to Ottawa, and I'm going to change the name of this New York <laughs> pretend New York neighborhood altogether. Well, Amon, we you want to take a little tour the day of your uh, the day of your yeah, show? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just here in New York. I don't have anything coming up at the moment. I have a monthly show called Sandwich at Union Hall the third Saturday of the month. Otherwise, I'm going to be in town until we go to, well, Vancouver, end of May, May 27th. Iman and I are doing our show. So when I wrap up the tour, I'll uh, reunite with my wife. Yes. In Vancouver at the Biltmore Cabaret, May 27th, as part of Just for Last Vancouver, we are doing solo sets and a together set. Jess Um, Solomon and Iman Al-Husseini, still married. But not together. Yeah. <laughs> Her business. Backed by popular demand, but not together. Yeah. And Iman is in the middle of touring this country on a very exciting tour called Comedy Night in Canada, hosted by Rick Mercer. You can look up the dates on hahaha.com and see where you can catch Iman. And then uh, if you're in Vancouver and lucky enough to get tickets, you'll see them both close to the end of May. Iman El Hosseini, Jess Solomon. And of course, we should say that uh, your BBC show, Comedians vs. the News, continues to air. You have still have the most of this season left, right? Halfway. We're halfway through at this point. You can catch that on the BBC World Service. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon, both of you. Thank you, Comedians versus the Doctor. Doctor, yeah. We also have a versus, and I feel like I don't attack Asif for his ridiculous opinions often enough. He has no opinions. <laughs> he only has proof and whatever. <laughs> we, we don't, we really don't attack the news in any concrete way either. Right. So, Asif, if we've learned anything, it's that you and I should talk about animals more, huh? <laughs> That's right. Less controversial. People love animals. Yes, exactly. There was a, a zoo... That's in, what I wanted you to say. I London. thought that was going to be your I animal. I love that. Well, there's a zoo in Holland. There's a story about a guy at a sanctuary in London, also in London, where there are these two endangered apes. I think they're like the last two. And he wanted them to do it. And they weren't doing it. So he put on Al Green. Barry White. Barry White. Barry White. <laughs> wow. Let's get it Let's on. Get Let's get it, it on. on. That's perfect. <laughs> And then it worked? I don't know if it worked. I don't know that they respond to the same kind of sexual stimuli <laughs> no. that we do. That, that was that was like the last ditch attempt <laughs> to try and get this to work. Yeah. Put them on a plant-based diet. That's what you do. Although they already have plant-based diets, yeah. right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. 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 Oh, well. 
good luck to the apes, you know? Yeah. That's so funny. So much pressure. Can you guys, your your race ends with you two. Like you have to, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really attracted to him. <laughs> I know he's got some really questionable views about Louis C.K. and the trucker convoy, but if you could just get past that. <laughs> and bang, exactly. The apes, they're going through the same pandemic stress and anxiety we are apparently. I would imagine. What city is that in? London, also with the beavers. Oh, and also with Justin Bieber and Sigourney <laughs> Beaver. They've screwed these animals so bad in London. Thanks again, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having us. See ya. That's our show for today, everyone. A big thank you to Jess and Iman for being on the show. We had a great time with those guys. And uh, remember, reach out to us. Let us know what you thought about the show. Dr. V Comedian on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on drvcomedian at gmail.com. Remember to leave us a five-star rating and review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only. And they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Although if somebody tuned in today for the first time, they'd be like, that guy's a doctor? Hey, not, not a lot no. of medical stuff talked two, about two, today. Two things. First of all, yes. I had some concerns. You probably couldn't hear it, uh, but I could. With my eyes, I had concerns about Iman taking all those medications. Oh, that's when right. She was had her, her back uh, back pain in her disc. Oh, yeah. And of Your course, did you, uh, we're, we're going to do an episode on this, the edibles and having them look like candy and then kids getting old. Yeah, oh, oh. yeah. I think they they handed that to us on a, on a platter, that, uh, that episode idea. That's so great. We will follow up with that. But that's it for today everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.